prophetic workshop. And so there's been a few places where I've been asked to do one. Um, now, I hope it's not too simple for you and that sort of thing, but it might be some good things to help if you're wanting to train and teach other people as well. Interestingly enough, last year I, I spoke at a camp for the Wide Bay region in ACC and they asked me to talk about this stuff and, and it was just all ACC pastors and that sort of thing there. And I felt to do this, but apparently they found this really helpful. So, so I thought, well, I'll give it a go with you guys as well. And, um, and hopefully you'll, you'll be blessed by it. And it's really good for me because I've got to do it over the next two weeks at my church with the leaders meeting. So this is good practice for me too. So, no, <laughs> so if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says this, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation and comfort to men. So what is prophecy? It's basically speaking to someone on behalf of God. That God is using you to speak to someone else. Now notice this. It says to um, desire spiritual gifts and desire prophecy. So what that means is it's something that you can desire. If you want to do it, eventually you will. People who say, I don't have the gift of prophecy, well, that must mean you haven't desired it. Because if you desire it, you can actually get it. Um, it's not one of the motivational gifts. This is a spiritual gift that every single one of us uh, can desire. Now, um, just because you can prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. So, it's so funny. Oh, has this been recorded? Um, so, my church, <laughs> I've got a few prophets in my church, apparently. And, uh, and I'm trying not to be rude to them and, and that sort of thing, but... They're not prophets because no one listens to them. <laughs> if no one listens to you, you're not a prophet. It's like calling yourself an apostle and having no one following you. <laughs> if no one's following you, you're not an apostle. Uh, it's like calling yourself a pastor and not liking anyone. <laughs> it's like being a teacher and not having anyone understand what you say. <laughs> and so Old Testament prophets was different. The, the New Testament the prophet isn't just the person who prophesies because anyone can prophesy. The prophet is an office in the church. It's an ascension gift. That you can't desire, that's a gifting of God. And that is something that is acknowledged by other people. And they are people who when they say things, it shifts everything. That's really what a prophet is. There's someone who can shift atmospheres in regions, shift atmospheres in churches. You can get a prophet, get up and speak and whack, everything is just changed and different. Okay? That is different. You can't call yourself a prophet unless other people acknowledge it on your life, okay? But every one of us can desire to prophesy. Every one of us can desire to have God use us to prophesy and speak uh, into people's lives. Now, what are the benefits of prophecy? Well, uh, benefits of prophecy uh, is that it builds up people. Prophecy, the gift of prophecy is to build up people, not tear them down. Uh, so what that means is if you prophesy over someone, the goal is edification and exhortation. We need to be whole enough, and I've sometimes, you know, we need to be whole enough to not 
try and superimpose our agendas on things we say to other people and house them as if they're from God. And so when we prophesy, the goal is this, exhortation, edification, and encouragement of that person that we're prophesying over. Another benefit of prophecy is confirmation. That means that God can confirm something that God has placed in your heart already. That God, I guess the bit of the story that I said to you before about Robin Stevenson coming up to us and saying, had a dream you passed from a church called Kings, that was like a confirmation of something uh, that we had heard before. And so you can get a confirmation. Uh, another benefit of prophecy is warfare. Uh, so what that means is this. God allows us to receive prophecies so that we can wage warfare with them when we're challenged. 1 Timothy 1.18 says this. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, you wage warfare with the prophecies you've been given. Now, how do we do that? Well, it's not simply a case of, you know, writing them down and waving them. We declare them and speak them. Why is that? Because very often when you receive a prophecy, the opposite happens straight away. Have you ever had that happen? God's given you this, you've received this phenomenal prophecy about something and then the exact opposite has happened. What does that mean? Well, it actually means that, um, you know, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but we lose encouragement, we lose hope. And so we get that prophecy out and we start declaring it and start saying uh, what God has done. Uh, You may have heard me uh, tell you the story about when I went to Mackay as a youth pastor, we kept on getting all these prophecies about how our youth group was going to be on fire and that there was going to be you know, that God was going to start a, fire, a spiritual fire in Mackay and our youth group was going to be at the core of it. And honestly, our youth group was as dead as a doornail. Like it was so dead. I even hated going to it. And I remember one time I was at home and I was just ticked, man. Like I was, and, and, and I'm like, I'm getting all these prophecies and none of them are happening. And, and Trish was out getting her hair done, which meant I had a good six to eight hours to myself. And so... I thought to myself, I'm sick of this. I thought, but I've never actually declared them. So I started declaring them and thanking God that we're going to have a youth group on fire. I was grabbing these prophecies, started declaring them. After about two hours on the inside, I just knew it was going to happen. I just knew. I just knew. And from then on, that was when the youth group got on fire, then Extreme Youth Conference was started, which is still going today, and all that sort of thing. Uh, But it was a prophecy that helped keep me on track. Okay, waging warfare uh, with it. Um, sometimes you can receive a prophecy now which makes sense later. I never discard prophecies. At the worst, I shelve them. So if someone gives me a prophecy that doesn't make sense, I don't just throw it away. Um, now, I know some guys, I'll be straight, some pastors, maybe because they've been hurt before or something like that, won't receive a prophecy from anyone. Well, the Bible says don't despise prophecies. I'll receive a prophecy from anyone. I don't care. But it doesn't mean I'm going to act on it. And sometimes they don't make sense now. They make sense later. So I actually write them down. I put them on a file. I look at them um, from time to time. A number of years ago, I was preaching at a conference, and the other speaker was a lady named Jackie Hall. It was Tim Hall's wife, if you know Tim Hall. His, his wife, Jackie. And in the break, she comes up to me. She said, oh, have you got a problem with your hip? I said, No. She goes, oh, because I felt God say he's going to heal your hip. And I was like, okay, thank you very much. And I just left it. I didn't think there was any problem with my hip or anything like that. Um, And so I did not think anything of it. Oh, that's mine. 
my iPad's ringing. Anyway, <coughs> and that was, and, and I just didn't think anything of it. A couple of years later, I was having all these back problems, like back spasming and that. I'd have times where I could hardly sit down and that sort of thing. Um, and so uh, I remember I went, I was on a plane, I got off a plane one day and planes would really stir it up. And I was walking down the street in this country town of Victoria and I thought, man, I'd love a massage. And I looked in this little country town, there was a sign that said massage pointing that way. I thought, great. I thought, I'll go get a massage, you know. So I went and, got it, and I went in there and, and I said, can I have a massage? He goes, yeah, you can have it right now. I said, all right. So the guy's giving me a massage. He goes, mate, you're tight. I said, yeah, mate, I just got off my second plane today and I'm just really tight. He goes, he goes can I show you a couple of stretches? I said, sure, mate, show me a couple of stretches. He goes, because I don't think your problem is your back. I think it's your hip flexors. <clears throat> I said, oh. He showed me these stretches. As I was doing it, literally pain was leaving my body. And I've been doing them ever since, and I just feel fantastic. The problem wasn't my back. It was my hip. Then not only that, um, started last year, I was having problems with my knee. And so I went into the physio. I said, mate, oh, my knee's killing me. I'm struggling to run and that sort of thing. Got a problem with my knee. And he goes, actually, the problem's not your knee. He said, the problem's your hip. You see, because your hip's tight, it's making a little little twist in your knee and that's why it's all. And so he said, we've got to fix your hip in order to get your knee right. And I thought, oh, that's what Jackie Hall was saying. Yeah. Don't despise prophecies. I know some people will say, it's only from God if it's a confirmation. Rubbish. Not true. Sometimes it doesn't make sense now, but it makes sense a whole lot later on. I remember another time when I was at Bible college, and we had this girl in our, um, in our, in our college, her name was Alicia, and her hero is Catherine Kuhlman. So she would always walk around like this, and, you know, and um, anyway, and I remember I was, she was doing the dishes in the college dining room, so I'm handing my dishes over to her, right? And then as I hand it over, she goes, be careful about people trying to speak negatively into your life. And I said, Thanks, Alicia. And uh, I walked out. I'm thinking, oh, Alicia. And then I walked around and went to, um, went to the library. And there was this guy, and he was, his name was Vladi Vargovich. I know, it sounds like a swear word. And um, he, he was always angry and mean and that sort of thing. And he comes up to me, he goes, hey, Ben. He's really tall, so he's looking down on me. Hey, Ben. Do you ever have times when you feel like that you're a hypocrite? And I thought, oh, I don't know. Like, and I walked off and I just had all this yuckiness on me. And then I thought, oh, that's what Alicia was talking about. I just washed it off. <laughs> you're not that a good leader that you can control everything. God can speak to you through someone else. God can speak to you through someone else who you think you're better than. Happens to me all the time because I'm better than everyone. No. <laughs> Seriously. We need to make sure they can be, they can be things that uh, make sense later, but we can just shelve them, keep them, occasionally look at them from time to time. That's why I'm saying that I've been getting prophecies fulfilled every single day. Uh, three years ago, a friend of mine, John Cavallaro, the son of Mike, Mark Cavallaro, uh, he, he, he messaged me and, he, and he, he gives me prophecies probably once a year. 
said, Ben, I had this vision of you. You are in a high-up office that has been around generations and I see a wooden, and a wooden table with some pens on it. I walk up into my office. It's on the third story, a high-up office. And walk in there and see it, I thought, oh, that's what John was talking about. Sometimes you get prophecies now that make sense later. Here are some keys to moving in prophecy. Number one, desire it. If you don't want it, you don't get it. And so desire it. <clears throat> there's this, um, uh, this well-known prophet now, a guy named Sean Boltz. He is so accurate and he's scary. I preached at a conference last year in Sri Lanka with another pastor from Singapore, Pastor Yong. And Pastor Yong runs the largest conference in Singapore, 10,000 people, called Kingdom Invasion. He said Sean Boltz was preaching at his conference and was calling people out and he said, does this number mean anything to you? He'd give the number and the person would say, yes, that's my social security number. Like he's that, that specific. But he didn't start out like that. He desired it. And then he started, and then he did the next thing which you need to do if you want to move in prophecy, which is have a go. Sometimes you just got to have a go. Many years ago when I was in Mackay, um, it was actually Cameron Murison who's here for Calvary in, in Rockhampton in Yapoon. And uh, Cam, he, Cam was in our youth group in Mackay. And he was in my office. And I said, Cam, I'm going to teach you how to, pro- about how to pray for people. And so I prayed for him and I prophesied over him, that sort of thing. And I said, mate, it's your turn to do it for me. And he was young. He was still in high school. He was like, oh. And so I sat there and he had his hand on my shoulder and then he starts praying. And he was praying in tongues for about two minutes. And I thought, well, just hurry up already and say something. And then he, then he sighs and he goes, oh, Lord, I just pray that you would give Pastor Ben dreams and visions. Amen. And then he looks at me and he's like, that's the best I can do. Little did he know that before he walked in my office, I was sitting at my computer and I just said a prayer, Lord, I pray that you give me dreams and visions. <laughs> he didn't know that. He was just having a go. Just have a go. You know, the Bible talks about prophets being killed if they're wrong. That's why it's awesome you're not a prophet. <laughs> if you want to call yourself a prophet, then you better be careful. But if you're not a prophet, it's okay. Just have a go. Next one is this. The more you exercise the gift, you, the better you will get at it. The more you practice it, the more you, you, the more you exercise it, the better you will get. Here's how, to, here's how to discern whether you have a thought from God. Uh, here's a good one. If a thought is smarter than you would normally think or nicer than you would normally think, there's a chance it's God. <laughs> right? That's a pretty good one. Um, if a thought is left field, just come comes from left field. It wasn't something you were dwelling on, so it just came from left field. If a scripture comes to mind, to be honest, for me, in the years, many years I've been praying for people, I've realised that for me personally, if I get a scripture, that tends to be the most infallible for me. Um, everyone's different, but I know for me, if I get a scripture, almost every time they say that was from God, the thing that you said. Um, if a phrase keeps repeating in your head, the phrase keeps repeating in your head. If there is a confirmation, um, there was, when I was in Mackay, the associate pastor there was Pastor Rick Ashcroft. And um, Rick was 
walking down the um, altar praying for people. And there was a lady in the corner who was in a wheelchair. And she'd, we'd known her in the church. She'd been in the church many years in this wheelchair. And he felt God tell him she's going to get healed tonight and get out of that chair. And he's like, I do not have the faith for that. And then he said, and he, and he thought to himself, if she raises her hands up to me like she wants to get out, I'll take that as a sign. So he walks over to her. As he does, she lifts her hands up like she wants to get out. So she pull, he pulls her out and she's healed. It was a confirmation. It's a confirmation. Um, if there's sometimes unusual coincidences that trigger your memory. So sometimes you can have some unusual, unusual coincidences. I had this strange thing happen where I was in Melbourne a number of years ago and I was at a shopping centre near where I used to live. Now, whenever I went back to Melbourne, I never saw anyone that I knew. And I'm in this shopping centre and all of a sudden I get a phone call uh, from a girl who lived in Melbourne who used to be in our youth group at Mackay. And she goes, oh, I was just thinking about you. I said, oh, that's good. I said, hey, I'm actually in Melbourne. And uh, we had a quick chat. I turn around and we're in Maya at Eastland and I walk around and there is a girl who I used to go to church with, another one. So we had a quick chat and I thought, oh, that was, that's nice, isn't it? When I come here and never see anyone normally. And so I walked out the other side of Eastland and then I heard this, Ben, I look up, it's a cousin of mine. And she goes, I was praying that I would see you today. I was like, okay, she comes over, gives me a hug and we had a quick chat and I thought, that is very strange. And so then I walk through the um, mire, go out the other side and as at the other side, I hear this, what are you doing here? I turn around and it's Russell Evans from Planet Shakers. And I thought, this is strange. And then I literally thought, I know you think I'm crazy, it's okay, I may never be coming back anyway. Uh, and then I thought, if I see Henry Seely from Planet Shakers, God speaking to me. I walk back in through Bayer and I hear this, what are you doing here? I turn around to Henry Seely. <laughs> and I thought, you got my, what is it? The funny thing is you got my attention, but I didn't know what he was saying. So you've got to be careful how you read into it. Because my first thought was, maybe I'm supposed to move back to Melbourne. Glad I didn't tell anyone or act on that, because I would have been wrong. So I just held it. Then I noticed it started happening at shopping centres all around Queensland. I'd pop into Rockhampton, I'd turn around, there's Kevin Whittington. I'd go, into, I'd go up into um, North Lakes in the north of Brisbane, I'd turn around, there's past. Every shopping centre, so many shopping centres I was going to, I was bumping into pastors from that region. And then one day God spoke to me. This is like after about three years. And he said, you know I've given you a territory when you keep bumping into the pastors from that region. And that really helped me in terms of my networking. That sort of, I realised God would give me a region and then I would bump into... I remember I had a time I kept bumping into people from Gladstone. Like in Brisbane, on the train. Like Dean Lusmore, I turned and looked around and he was right there. People like... It was happening all the time. And it was unusual coincidences. I'm not trying to build a theology on it. But what I'm saying is that was a sign God was getting my attention and then I had to wait for what that possible interpretation could be. Another one is you could get a picture. You get a picture of somebody or something. That, it could, that is, um, could be a thought from God. So what are some boundaries we should have then? What are the boundaries we should have in utilising the gift of prophecy? Okay. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, 29 to 33 says this. Let two or three prophets speak. Let the others judge. 
But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, that you all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So right there he tells us some boundaries in terms of the application of the gift of prophecy in a church. And don't use your prophecy to manipulate. Don't use your prophecy to manipulate someone else. Let the others judge, the Bible says. When I was a campus pastor in Brisbane, there was a man from our church who went away um, on the weekend to spend time with his family in a country town. And, um, and, he, and he rang me back when he got back. He said, Pastor Ben, can I come and see you? I said, sure, mate. So we caught up. I said, what's going on? He said, I went to my in-law's house and stayed there for the weekend. And while I was there, their pastor came over to their house. And their pastor gave me a prophecy. I said, what was the prophecy? He said, I had to move and come up and join his church. And he said, and, I, and, and he goes, and I said to him, well, listen, you know, I want to go back and talk to my pastor back in Brisbane about that. And the guy said, I won't let another man judge my prophecy. We never use our prophecies to manipulate anyone. We, we submit them to other people. Because prophecies are not infallible. Don't try and interpretate, interpretate, sorry, interpret the prophecy you have for someone. Don't add to it. You know, you might have a, the Bible says we prophesy in part. So we don't know it all. I tell you, the amount of times I've had a prophecy for someone and I've thought to myself, I know what that means. But I haven't said it. And then afterwards they've come up to me and they said, oh man, that was God. That means this, this and this. I was like, I would never, <laughs> I had no idea, um, and I thought, I'm glad I didn't add to it. When I was at Bible college, there was a friend of mine, uh, and she gave me a prophecy, and, um, and the prophecy was, she goes, oh, Ben, I see you walking through this garden. You can have the pick of any rose that you want, but God's got a tree of integrity there for you. As soon as she said that, I thought, ministry. And then she said, and it means this. And she said, it means you're supposed to not go out with Trish. <laughs> and I said, Trish was my girlfriend who's now my wife. I said, no, 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 no. She goes, oh, no. And I said, no, no. I thought about it later and she was right. It was all about ministry. Because when I left Bible college, I had a number of ministry opportunities. And the least attractive one was actually the Mackay one, but it was by far the best one. So she was right but nearly messed the whole thing up by trying to interpret. It's not, it's not our life, it's theirs. It's their life. David Cartledge used to say to us all the time, he was big on prophecy, but he said, I never let anyone manipulate me with a prophecy ever. And I'm the same. I'll receive a prophecy from anyone, but if you try and follow it up with me, then we've got trouble. The next one is this. Understand that prophecies are not infallible. You could be wrong. And so that's why we submit it. We put it to people. It's up to you to decide. If you think it's wrong, I'm, I'm just leaving it with you. I'm not chasing it up. I could be wrong here. Um, Realise that you prophesy in part. We only see part of the story. Never prophesy anything unscriptural. I feel like God is saying that you need to rob a bank 
to meet your family's needs. <laughs> no. Uh, leave prophecies of correction to pastors. And really, correction should be not a prophecy. It should be addressing observable behavior, not a prophecy. Um, as I said, don't let anyone's prophecy control your life. Love the story of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is about to get on a boat. A prophet named Agabus came up to him, grabbed Paul's belt, tied up his own wrists and tied up his own ankles and said, this is what's going to happen to the man who owns this belt. So he's basically saying, Paul, you, are, you get on this boat, uh, you are going to get imprisoned. And everyone around interpreted it to mean, see, you're not supposed to do it. You're not supposed to get on the boat. And he said, no, no, bonds and afflictions may await me, but I'm still going. God's just warning me about what's happening. He didn't allow that prophecy to distort what God had put in his heart. Um, just because you have a prophecy doesn't mean you have to give it. Spirit of prophecy is subject uh, to the prophets. Um, I remember when I was at IC Church, we do a DNA course and we talk to people who are joining our church and that. And one of the ladies comes up to us and she goes, look, what do you do uh, in terms of spiritual gifts in the service? And we said, well, um, we just want you to come and talk to the person, that probably, you know, the person who's running the meeting and talk to them about it and they'll see whether you can do it. She goes, oh, but it might be gone by then. Well, then it probably wasn't God. Just because you have a prophecy doesn't mean you have to give it. That's what it was saying there in that passage of Scripture. Two or three, and then that's it. Um, learn to discern whether what you feel is for you or for someone else. I, I, I believe that... Um, how do I put this? There's been a, probably the majority of times where I've visited a church and someone in the congregation has given a prophecy and... Our church, we, we allow it, okay, we still allow it, but honestly, I reckon over half the time, that was just their devotions, just for them, because the meeting just went kapush. It's about as powerful as a custard pie, you know what I mean? And it was probably God, but it doesn't mean it was for everyone. It was probably just for them. So we need to discern, is this for me? Like, even before coming here, I, I had written a message to share today. And then God said, no, no, that's not for now. That was just stuff I'm talking to you about. I wanted you to share something else. You know, we do that as preachers all the time. God's talking to us about something and we want to preach it. And sometimes like, no, no, don't preach it. That's just for you. Um, next one is this. Um, respect people's authority. Um, the number one person God will speak to about a church is the senior pastor. Uh, the number one person God will speak to about your life is you. Don't add to what God is saying. Sometimes the longer the prophecy, the more it slides into error. Uh, Proverbs 30 verse 6, do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you should be found a liar. I once had a young man come up to me and he, gave, he was praying for me. He said, Pastor Ben, I feel God's saying I should pray for you. I said, go for it, mate. And he's praying for me and he gives me this word and then he stops and he goes, that's all I got. And I'm like, smart boy. If that's all you got, just give that. Don't try and unpack it any further. Just leave it. Don't add to his words, lest he make you a liar. How should we treat prophecy? We shouldn't despise them because we'll probably need them later. We'll probably need them later. So what we're going to do... Oh, does anyone have any questions about things I've just shared then? I know I've rattled it on pretty quick. 
Anyone got any questions? No? Okay, awesome. What I want to do is this. We're going to have a go. So what I want you to do is get into groups of three. Uh, for this exercise, preferably men with men, ladies with ladies. And the reason why I want three is so that there's a witness. And I want you to pray for the person that's it, the, other, the person that's in your group. So two of you pray for one and then vice versa. And have a go at prophesying. The Bible says you can actually desire it. Um, and so, now here's the boundaries, remember. It's got to be scriptural. Encouragement. Edification and exhortation. Be wary about trying to be too directive with them. And do not try and follow it up. Because people try and manipulate, you know, I know you guys wouldn't, but pe people sometimes try. Actually, I had a story a number of years ago when we were in Mackay. A young man came, joined our church and, and, he, and he hated every church where he came from but loved us. So I knew, oh, that probably won't last very long then. So, And then one day he comes up to us in church, walks down the aisle and he's written out a prophecy. And he's got the signing of his covering. His covering happened to live in another state. Isn't it funny? Everyone's got a covering, not where they live. And so he wrote down this prophecy and he, gave it, he goes to, to Pastor Rob, senior pastor and myself. He says, I've got a prophecy for the church. We grabbed it and looked at it. Honestly, it was about as powerful as a custard pie. And, um, and we said, oh, thank you very much. And he goes, well, what are you going to do with it? I said, and Pastor Rob said, well, we're just going to shelve it, hold on to it for a while. See if God speaks to us about it. We never saw him again. He was trying to manipulate with it. And that's why some people don't want it anymore. They say, oh, we don't want it because it's been misused. But if we do it rightly and balanced, it's a phenomenal blessing to people's lives. Is that cool? Okay, so why don't you stand up? Get in group. And also, too, I think it'd be cool if you weren't with people from your church either. I won't join a group. I'll wander around and probably give prophecies as I feel it. Oh, here's a power trio. Hey. Preferably not from the same church. And also men with men, women with women, please. And just put your hands on one of them and go.